Welcome to the RSP cast. We're going to do a little bit of NFL talk. And as always, always a pleasure to join me is Lori Fitzpatrick from TD Wire. Lori, <laughs> thanks so much for joining me. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for having me once again. Uh, you know, I'm just ready to dive into it, to be honest. It's, a, it's, it's an exciting time right now in, in the NFL season. Looking at that schedule, there's only a couple games left of the regular season. So, yeah. I'm, uh, I'm just happy to be here. Yeah, we certainly are down the stretch, that's for sure. And we're going to talk about teams that are kind of on the cusp of 500, a little above, maybe a little below, and who they and whether or not we see some potential in them to make a run to, to contend. We Conversely, we're going to look at some teams that are doing well um, and and think and wonder if any of them look like they there's some danger of them having to collapse at least not due to injury but um that hasn't happened yet at least maybe due to a recent injury or maybe due to just how they've played overall and then we're going to get into a, um, an idea about how coaches sometimes can be a little too task oriented in how they see their um their team and what they expect from their from um their players individual players and as a result of that they don't let their players play to their abilities and how that that can be in how it's often a common impediment to the player and conversely like where we've seen successes with players because coaches have looked at them and said these players fit into what we do or at least maybe the gm or the team owner has recognized let's find a coach who actually is going to do things that complement the the key players that we have um, especially quarterbacks we'll probably be talking a lot about quarterback coaching fit when it comes to that topic so first i mean laurie you know you brought this up this was a great a great topic for us to talk about this time of the this time of the year who are some teams that come to mind for you that you're looking at and you're saying you know they're not quite 500 right now, or maybe they're below 500, um, pretty well below 500, but you're thinking these teams have what it takes to make a run. Things obviously got to fall the right way for them, but but who are these organizations that you're looking at? Yeah, so, well, <clears throat> when, when we look at the AFC East, I didn't think that in the, the beginning of the season it would be such like a toss-up as it is now. Um, you know, you look at the Dolphins; they're they're seven and three. Uh, the Jets six and three. Bills six and three. Patriots five and four. A lot of people still think that the Patriots have a chance. Um, I just, I think it's interesting. They have um, they have a pretty interesting schedule coming up, um, and they have they have the Jets, the Vikings, the Bills, the Cardinals, the Raiders, the Bengals. Uh, those are their next uh, six games. I think they can at least get three wins out of that. Yeah. Um, so I think it's going to make the AFC East even harder. Um, I don't think the Jets will be a team to make it out. Uh, I think, uh, you know, it, it will be a race uh, between those three teams, the Dolphins, Bills, and Patriots. Um, <clears throat> it's a little bit different now, though. So in 2022, I believe three wild card teams get in. Yeah. Uh, so that's going to be interesting uh, when it when it comes to those AFC teams. Uh, another team that I think right now isn't doing so hot, um, but I, I think that they're 
their record is a little bit better than what people realize. So that would be the Chargers. Uh, they they have a lot of injuries, but somehow Herbert is still kind of he's still kind of sticking it out. Uh, his team isn't doing that bad, uh, and he is somehow still still he's able to sling it downfield. He he's not really taking the checkdowns as much as he should. Uh, just because he has that big arm, him uh, and his coach aren't really, you know, I don't know if that's a discussion for later uh, in terms of uh, coaches not uh, utilizing the, the skill sets of their players, especially QBs like like Herbert. Like, why don't you just let, just let him throw the ball? Uh, but back on topic, I think they're a team uh, that could make it out of the AFC West, um, you know, just looking at the rest of the schedule uh, and – Herbert, man, he's he's a good quarterback. I think that uh, you know he has a chance to uh, to, to make it out. Um, yeah. So yeah. Th- those two teams specifically for the AFC. That's interesting, you know. And uh, you think about the Patriots. I mean, they they are all the the best thing about Bill Belichick is that down the stretch, he's always been good at being able to adjust to what not only what his team is and what they do well, but find ways strategically to adjust to what teams are trying to do to them and and find ways to shut them down i think that that's probably mm-hmm. the biggest strength of that team is whereas like sean mcveigh had this has a strong system up front but he's absolutely been horrible um over the course of his career at making adjustments mid-game or or during the season to his system, talking about a guy who's attached to his system, um, to the to his detriment. And Bill Belichick showed that. I mean, it was like watching a guy. It was like watching chess versus checkers in that Super Bowl a number of years ago. Um, mm-hmm. You know, with what Belichick does. And when you think about, you know, they they have a decent pass rush with Matt Judon and what he can bring to the table. They their their secondary has been banged up a bit. I mean, Kyle Duggar's been banged up pretty much all year. If he can get healthy, and then they can and their their run game, if they stick with Ramondre Stevenson, I think that would be helpful just because it allows them to. I I like the idea that if you have a back who's playing well, ride him for a while. I love what Dame. You know, I, I like Damian Harris. Um, I think he's a good back. He's a good quality player, but does everything pretty well. But at the same time, if you can continue to lean in the direction of using Stevenson as an all-around option, and if and and I think the big thing is they just need and they need a couple of their receivers beyond Jacoby Myers to consistently make plays. And I and I think if that happens. They still may have a shot, even with Mac Jones, you know, kind of being up and down at best, with you know, at this point of the season. And and I, I agree with you about the Jets. It's kind of hard to look at them and see them moving on with their quarterback play. Now, if Zach Wilson played like he did before the game before the bye week, I think, and the way they beat the Bills, I think there's a chance that they might be better than they might be able to stick it out a bit, but their schedule is harder. Um, Denzel Mims is a player that I I saw that I, I really have always liked. He's played well. He and Wilson were literally 
probably three or there are about four um, targets against the Bills where Wilson was just a shade off from connecting with Mims. And Mims has played really well also as a blocker. He's been great at opening up creases. So if Corey Davis, I'd like to see them kind of stick with Mims. I don't think they will when Corey Davis comes back. But if he gets a few more games under his belt and plays well, I wouldn't be surprised if they just say, you know what, maybe we'll move on from Corey Davis at this point. Yeah, their defense though. Um, when when I'm looking, I'm looking at uh, Football Outsiders right now, and their DVOA. Yeah. Uh, man, they're they're six in pass, tenth uh, in rush. Uh, they they do have a tough schedule though coming up, like you're saying. They're the third hardest. So I that that will be tough for them to get out. Uh, but I think their defense, all in all, you know, they defense wins games, right? So, you know, I think they're able to kind of get it there. I'm just, I'm just not totally confident in Wilson. Yeah. I did a lot of film work on him earlier this season, and I know that his decision-making is getting better, but it's still so up and down. Yeah. It's just, he's just, he's passing into windows that he has no right trying to put it in. Like, I'm not understanding why he, uh, why he tries some of the things that he does, uh, but, you know, I, I just... Maybe I just don't know enough about, you know, their offense in general, but it just seems like his decision making just isn't just isn't up to par. He is uh he's hesitant, he's he's uh double clutching when he should just let it go. Uh he's trying to scramble around and, and get that amazing play and instead he just gets sacked. Uh I just I don't really have much faith in him right now. Yeah, I've never had faith in Zach Wilson, to be honest with you. He was a player that um in his in his draft class, he was sixth on my board behind um, even Davis Mills, who I had um, ranked higher than him. And for a lot of those reasons, he's just not a good decision maker. He's not a good pocket player. He's a he's a a mobile player, but he's a lot more like Baker Mayfield than people realize um, or have realized. And I'm you know I need to yeah. see proof over the span of like several games and difficult situations that he's not going to implode and his game implodes in in situations that project to the NFL and that's kind of what's happened more often than not with him and I believe that's going to remain the case so I'm with you on that but uh but you know and it's interesting because Jets fans I mean listen a lot of them are starving for a winner so when you see them they you can see that when they see one one expected play from a quarterback that that you would just say well they're supposed to do that they look at that as great and i i get it because being a cleveland browns fan you see that when you have when you see fans of teams that are losing for so long they're like drowning people being thrown a life raft it may have a yeah. hole in it or it may not be big enough to be able to withstand the seas but they're going to climb onto that life raft and hold on to it with all their might, you know. So that's kind I mean, of they, where they I always feel have they the giants. <laughs> they always have the giants. That's funny. <laughs> but but yeah. So I mean, those are some interesting teams for me. I'm gonna, you know, I'll I'll go homer on this one and say the Cleveland Browns may very well be in that position. Their their run defense is awful. Um, you know, to any you know, the Miami Dolphins are certainly getting better. And their run game has looked good in recent weeks. But the Cleveland Browns have been, you know, watching their run game. It's been it's been really bad. Their, their run fits aren't strong. 
They're, Horrible. They have young line play outside of, you know, Garrett. Um, their safety play has not been strong at, at filling or maintaining responsibilities. Um, so that's that's a really rough point there. Their secondary has at times been a little bit banged up. They've moved secondary players around into different roles where maybe you'd like to see Martin Emerson on the outside. Turns out they put him in the slot and he struggled there. So that's rough. But they still have a good offensive line, one of the better ones in the league. They still have the best running game in terms of the running back stable. Their three running backs are probably the three is the best three man rotation that you could have, even though they rarely use the third man in, in Dearness Johnson. And, you know, D- Donovan Peoples Jones is coming on a bit. Um, Ninjoku's been out, but they still have a steady player in, in Harrison and, and Farrow Brown. Um, and obviously Amari Cooper's played well. So, if Deshaun Watson, regardless of you know the off-field stuff that we could go, we could talk a lot about and you know all about whether that's the right thing or the wrong thing and all of that. The fact that the fact is is he's playing soon. So yeah. when you know, and we look at him in the vacuum as a player, if he's able to show that he's not too rusty and to be able to get back into the groove of what he did in Houston. Um, this could be a playoff team, especially in a division where the Ravens are vulnerable with their defense, at least in their secondary. There's They've been weak, even though the, Justin Houston is like on a tear lately um, off the edge. But, uh, but I certainly think the Browns have a chance to emerge um, if Watson plays to his capability because you'll see more downfield passing. You'll see more... Um, you know, ability for them to affect defenses with their run game because they're going to have to play all 11 men that they don't have to, yeah. you know, with with Brissett. So that's, yeah, exactly. that's one of mine for you. What are your thoughts on Cleveland? No, I, I agree. Um, right now with the Bengals, uh, you know, their record, we, we thought that they would be a little bit better. Jamar Chase, that's obviously an issue. Um, like you're saying, uh, the, the Ravens are a little vulnerable right now. Um, but I do think the Ravens will probably take, uh, you know, that division. Um, but the, the Browns, they do have a chance. Uh, two years, though, being out is a really long time. Isn't, isn't it more than two years, too? It um, may be. It may be if it's if we're I think if you add the injury to it, I think there it may be. Yeah. So that is that is a little concerning. And he wasn't even allowed in the practice facility. Uh, so. That's going to be a little bit tough. I I figured it would be just a wash this year for them. Uh, And six six losses is really hard to come back from. Um, So I'm I'm probably going to say no. Uh, They won't make it. Uh, And then you look at their defense. And, yeah, they're last in the league in in rush defense. Like, and it's not even close to to the 31st. Like, they're they're dead last. so you know, I just think that they have they have too many uh, they have too many issues on their team that Deshaun uh, Watson isn't going to be able to fix. Right. Uh, and just the rapport altogether, uh, and like you're saying, the rust factor. I think it'll be a bigger um, like detriment than what we uh, what we realize. I think it's basically just you know between the Bengals and the Ravens right now. Yeah. Uh, but you know, next year I do see the Browns being 
a lot better. Yeah, so. and I, and those are fair points for sure. You know, I think that I think the main thing that I look at with that is is only that this team they've they've lost games by an, or they've they haven't lost games by a net twenty one points, but there's only twenty one one twenty one points separate separating how many they've scored versus how many they've allowed. Um, so these for, other than the Miami game, this has been a team that's had fairly close affairs. Um, so even with the bad defense, I'm thinking if they can get a little bit, if they can create a little bit more danger with their offense and control the game um, early on, then I think this team can be tough and it can kind of shore up some of the woes to the point that they will not be tough, but they can go on a winning streak to where they can make some noise or threaten it. I think they will I think they will be one of those teams that is on the cusp of five hundred and be have a shot but not get in. That's probably yeah. really where that's at. <laughs> yeah, at the end of the year it'll be like, you know, all these things have to come together. Exactly. The stars have to align in order for the Browns. Hey, you know, it doesn't completely knock them out though. But yeah. I mean, yeah, I just I pulled up their schedule right now and they, they only lost two games uh that were more than three points. Yeah. Uh, their Patriots game uh, they lost pretty bad in the Dolphins game. But other than that, it was a one-point loss, a three-point loss, a two-point loss, three-point loss. It's yeah. just like, wow, that that's heartbreaking. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So they're, you know, and that's 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 kind of one of the reasons if you think if Watson can provide, and, you know, the, the counterpoint, I think you're right about the rust that's going to that's gonna be there. But the counterpoint that I can think of, I always try to think of a counterargument to the things that I, that even if mm-hmm. things that I agree with, to you know like what you're saying oh wow that, like not biased that's like, that's, hey, that's we're awesome trying, we're refreshing right there we go <laughs> is the idea that you know there's a lot of backup quarterbacks in the league that come in and don't get the don't get the looks and snaps with other players and perform mm-hmm. reasonably well even if they haven't seen an nfl field in a regular season game for three four years um so you know there's a possibility yeah. that watson who as it was a high-end starting quality player the rust may not be as hard to knock off um, for him as it was with others. And if that happens, then suddenly you're opening up the ground game on a level where um, with that run game activated to its maximum extent, um, that can be a real weapon that cover up a lot of ills. But, you know, another another team that I was thinking that is kind of in that mold, and while it's hard for me to think that it's going to happen, but I, I still see the possibility, the Indianapolis Colts, because after all the oh, craziness, man. they are still four, five, and one. Um, and their defense has been banged up for much of the year, but they're, you mm-hmm. know, Shaq Leonard is getting back. They still have some decent players in Gilmore who can shut down, you know, decent wide receivers or at least compete with them. You have. You know Kenny Moore, who's a you know a good all-around secondary option, um, and Gakwe may not be great, but he's always a bit of a threat off the edge. Um, the pressures. Yeah, so you've got the you've got kind of a core there with what, and um, Okereke is playing pretty well. He's been really kind of ascending in his career over the past couple years. So they've got the makings of that linebacking core kind of getting back to what it was. Um, and this offense, the fact that they, they, you know, Jeff Saturday had enough sense to say, yeah, we're putting 
we're putting Matt Ryan back on the field. We're, yeah, you know, yeah. we're not going to worry about if we have to take a, you know, a pay. Um, we're going to have to deal with paying for him if he gets hurt. Let's let's let him keep playing. We yeah, have let's put good, our best player out there. <laughs> yeah, we have good guards. We have and and Jonathan Taylor looked healthy last week. That was the big concern for me. Is people were talking about whether he'd still have good lateral movement with the ankle injury he had. He looked good against the the Raiders. The cuts were sharp. You could see that he was really able to to stick and move with with his movement and make sharp movements. Um, and the explosion was there. The reacceleration was there. Um, you know, maybe the maybe the line hasn't played very well, but the guard play was decent yesterday. The Raiders again not a great team to judge on that level because they're they're yeah. pretty awful um on defense but i'm i'm thinking that you know we can talk about jeff saturday and how he's not familiar with everything but really this is where i think people get it wrong about coaching they we we spend so much time talking about the coach and saying well he was an offensive genius or he was a defensive genius and he's he's going to bring this system and he's going to do this and then when they get in they don't know how to manage out out the, you know because <laughs> yeah. they're spent so much time in in a system they're not looking around they're not doing what managers do which is letting the people who are the coordinators do their job and yeah. and then making the higher end decisions based on that asking the yeah. right questions and sometimes being ignorant of the details actually allow forces you to ask the questions that you should be asking when you're knowledgeable about the details or when you're willing and i think jeff saturday is willing he's he's willing to let the smarter people in the room do their job and that's why you have them yeah you know I, but i i definitely agree with that um you know somebody i, I think i was listening to the pregame uh last night and they were talking about this and it's like you think about he worked with peyton manning you know, like he, he, he was under one of the, one of the best coaches, uh, out there. And it's just like, he does have the experience. Uh, and I think he, he's open-minded, uh, and, you know, like you said, he's willing to kind of, uh, let those coordinators do their job. Um, for me, it was more about, uh, firing Brady, uh, because they didn't want to give him a chance. Yeah. Uh, and that, that just made me. It made me really upset. It wasn't really about his. It wasn't really about Jeff Saturday's uh, resume yeah. or where he coached or anything like that. Because like he's a player, so he's gonna be a player's coach. And sometimes those end up being the best coaches. Uh, so I just think it was more about how Jim Irsay kind of went about it, uh, and less about the resume. Oh, I would. Ag- I would agree. I mean, I think everybody in the league knows that Marcus Brady is a was a good coach and a fine guy and someone who really just became a scapegoat for um, just really awful reasons um, in that situation, and that was bad. I I don't even I couldn't even I won't even say a scapegoat though. I just think like the he didn't Jim say didn't want to have a black coach maybe because yeah. that's the only you know it, he did. Brady didn't even call plays. Yeah, I don't. So it was yeah. like, what? Why fire him? Because you didn't want him to take the spot because you knew that you were about to fire your head coach. Yeah, I don't. I, you know, I mean, 
it's very possible. Um, you know, the argument against that would be, well, he did have Tony Dungy. So it's, it, it, you know, so that, so why would he not want another black coach? Um, but well, it, yeah, you know, that's true. But, but, at, but at the same time, but at the same time, it's, you know, it, it's puzzling what happened there. And there was, you know, I know Russ Landy and I talked about it before they fired Reich, that it was that maybe Chris Ballard and Reich scapegoated Marcus Brady and was mm. hoping they were using Marcus Brady as a scapegoat to. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. But, but I'll say this. Um, I, I mean, one thing I'll joke is that, listen, you know, Jeff Saturday was, was, was coaching a, um, was coaching Georgia high school um, football, you know, a couple of years before he gets this opportunity. So, I mean, listen, Georgia high school footballs are, you know, slightly better than the Pac-10, the Big Ten, and the ACC. So, um, <laughs> you know, I'm kidding. But, uh, but you know, so his resume The fans are probably. Um, well, listen, you know, there's a lot. Of, there's, I would say that it's funny. I mean, Georgia probably, Georgia produces almost as many NFL players out of their um, out of their state as um, maybe just slightly behind for their size pound for pound there they they produce a they produce a high percentage of NFL players relative to other states um, they're you know certainly Florida and Florida and California are the highest Texas yeah. is pretty high up there Ohio's pretty high up there but Georgia and Ohio are kind of those teams you know, Georgia for its size is up there with those other states and those states are much bigger. And that's, that's a fascinating kind of thing over yeah. the years. But, um, but seriously with, with Saturday, yeah, I think it does it. And this, this is a topic we'll probably bring up a little bit more, but you want your, you know, the, people complain about Mike Tomlin, but one of the things that Mike Tomlin has always done really well is he's let his coaches coach. Um, mm -hmm. And he's, and the, when you're a co a head coach, your job really should be looking at everything and seeing how it can be either a little bit better, how the players are doing, whether that whether you should you know make suggestions to the coaches to to do something a little bit different. Um, you're you're kind of both a quality control manager and a strategist in terms of how you look at a team. And when you're running an operation, there's a lot of details. And so a, a lot of things that get messed up with how teams hire coaches is that they'll, they'll hire someone who's an offensive or defensive genius, but not someone who's actually a good manager of systems and people. They're just, they just actually worked under someone who was a good manager of systems and people and had a very productive segment of that pie that's the nfl team and and so they're like well they're gonna bring this here and it's like yeah well i'm glad that they were really good at coaching offensive line i'm glad they're really good at being able to get a team filled with all-stars to run a system that scored <laughs> more points than anybody in the league but can they actually relate to people can they get can they get the like best Urban out of Meyer. their team yes exactly you know exactly and that's and that's also different coaching in college than it is in the pros and you know a lot of these guys who coach in college think that you know when the day's over they can go go golfing or go clubbing yeah. or go do their thing 
rather than actually do <laughs> things clubbing. that need to happen. You know, yeah, well, yeah. Go clubbing in Cleveland. That's yeah. right. Go clubbing in Cleveland or Dayton or wherever the hell he was. You know, that's for sure. And you That's know, the most boring. All right, I'm not even going to get into yeah, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. that. But. Yeah. That's the most boring, trouble, troublesome issue that we saw him in. But, you know, the, the talk about suburban dad and like, a, um, the, you know, that was like, that's like, to me, that's like Al Bundy and married with children. Like if he were a head coach, what would happen if he got in, tr- decided to get in trouble? <laughs> you know, he'd be that that would be the version of that. Like we need to see we need to see, you know, like what Sean McVay would probably do if he got in trouble. That yeah. would be a little that would be a little bit more fun. But but um, yeah, but yeah, the Colts Colts overall, I think the the team is still intact w- for them to be able to make a difference. Um and the the division isn't the strongest, so they still have some. You know, you you look at their their division games right now, and um, you know they've played three of their division games. They still have they still have th- three left, so or four actually. Mm-hmm. Oh no, they played most no. of their division. They've already yeah, done yeah, five. They, they so, only have one division right. divisional game left. But um, you know, at the end of the day, it is based on your uh, your record yeah. you know and and not so much i guess i guess it is like who you beat like in your division but if you look at who they have left man it's gonna be a pretty rough road the yeah. eagles the steelers is the only team that's like not that great and yeah. they're not terrible either um then then they have the cowboys then the vikings then the chargers then the giants you know that's kind of like a toss-up and then you have the Texans, which they should they should totally beat them. Yeah. Um, but th- their next couple games aren't going to be that easy. No, they aren't. And they're, these are, but what's interesting too is these are all teams with good records, but are kind of like the Cowboys are prone to collapses. Yeah, the, the Vikings have played a lot of tight games this year. Like they have played a lot of tight games, and they kind of play up to their competition and play down to their competition. They've They've kind of been that way as a as a yeah. Unit. The only thing about them though is like that seems to be their identity because even last year they had a bunch of like one score games, but they ended up losing them. So it was like the opposite. This year they have a bunch of one score games that they're ending up like they happen to pull out. Yeah, you know, for sure. Win it, so well, let's so. let's talk about the NFC. Who are some of the teams for you that that are on the cusp that you think have a shot of being able to make a run? Well, I do think uh, that um, that the 49ers are going to be the team that kind of makes it out of that division. Uh, so you have the Seahawks, 49ers, the Cardinals, the Rams. I don't think the Rams are going to do anything this year. Cooper Cup, it was just said that he is actually going to get surgery. Uh, I think, you know, he's, yeah. you know, obviously one of their the biggest pieces. Uh, and Stafford hasn't really been playing that uh, great. He was out last week, so... Uh, that's kind of like a shit show going on down there right now. I think the 49ers are going to be the ones to kind of pull that one out. Um, as for the NFC East, that's tough, man. So um, the Eagles are obviously going to be the team to kind of make it out of there. Yeah. Um, I think the Giants are actually worse than what people think. Uh, they just – they yeah, Saquon Barkley is amazing, right? He's definitely one of a kind. Um, but outside of play action, you know, Daniel Jones isn't that good. Right. Uh, you know, he, 
I think that he, he like Dable schemes him really well. Yes. He's able to pull tight ends out when he faces pressure, so he's able to kind of dump it off. But if you if you face a really good linebacker crew, uh, they're going to get demolished. And yeah. the NFC East play, played with the easiest schedule uh, in this entire league. So, you know, I'm not trying to, you know, minimize how good the Eagles have been either. Um, but, you know, their schedule for the NFC East is super easy. And that is why I think the Giants do have the record that they have. Uh, they, they are able to pull uh, wins out and Dable's able to scheme Daniel Jones, uh, to, you know, to help him win. And then they have Saquon Barkley. But in the end, I don't see them as a team that makes it out. Um, and to your point. They're only, they've only played one division game so far. So they're 0-1 in their division. And, and they have the is, best division. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because the, the worst team in the division are the the commanders who beat the Eagles, on, you know, or, quote, beat the Eagles last night, um, who were 5 and – and they're 5-5, five and five, you know. So if your worst team's 5-5 five and five, and the rest of these teams have played at least three games in the division, the Gi Giants are the only team in their division – that has had one divisional matchup thus far, um, so they're wow. gonna they have they have to play the Eagles. They have to. I don't know who that who did they play um, earlier this year? Was it the Cowboys? I think it was the Cowboys. Yeah, they, they so, yeah they lost. Yeah, so they have to play the Eagles twice, the the Cowboys once, and the Commanders twice. Yeah. So if if they can't if they don't sweep the Commanders then they are not the team that, that the Giants fans thinks they are. Um, and, and so I think that that's a, I think that's a great pick. Um, and I'm with you. I think Dable does a, Dable did a very good job with Josh Allen in terms of really bringing him along. And I think that he's kind of doing that with, with Jones, but we've seen enough of Jones to think that it's going to take a little longer for us to see Jones really playing at a high level, and there's going to need to be, there's going to be need to evidence that he's playing at a high level for that to even happen. So I agree with you about, and your point about the how he is versus linebackers, I think is very astute, and we're gonna we're about to find out. I think with with some of these teams that he's going to be facing. Yeah, yeah. The, the Cowboys obviously they have Micah Parsons, and the Commanders they have a really good defensive line. The Eagles, you know. We all know about them. We just watched them last night. Um, you know, then they, they play the Colts later on in the division, and then they have to play the Eagles again. So, I mean, I don't see Daniel Jones working out long-term, to be honest. Uh, they're just not dynamic enough. Yeah. They don't you have – and their best their best wide receiver is Darius Slayton. And, and while <laughs> Slayton has played pretty well for a reserve thrust into a starting role, um, like this whole idea that Wandale Robinson – is going to be, I mean, I'm sorry, but Rondell Robinson to me is a gadget. And to me, gadgets get lost in couch cushions. That's kind of always my joke about this is that they're, they're not, you know, Tavon Austin was a better prospect to me than Wondell Robinson was. And I was, ne and yeah. when I look at Robinson, you know, Tavon Austin, you know, he wasn't in college. He was a dynamic guy who could play running back. He'd give you a little bit of a big play slot receiver type of thing. But in the NFL, I look at Robinson, and he's got to show that he can position himself at the catch point and be play bigger than his size to be a primary mm -hmm. receiver. Otherwise, 
He's basically a low-end version of what the Chiefs use with McCole Hardman. Um, and and I'm not sure they That's even use him that well. <laughs> yeah, it's not great. I mean, Hardman's played well in recent weeks before his injury, but it's but you, you can only do so much with that player. You can't rely on him to be the every yeah. down. We're going to match up against the cornerback on third and 14 and throw it to you, and you've got to make this play. He's not that player. And they need yeah. that kind of receiver, and they don't have it. They didn't have it in Galladay. They had it in Kadarius Tony, but yeah, that's what I was gonna yeah. say. He, he's taking over Hardman's uh, snaps most likely. Yeah, uh, going going forward, I just don't think Wandell Robinson is like he. You have to have you have to have like that one skill set that kind of takes over the um you know when you're lacking in in let's just say size. Yeah, compensate. Uh, and yeah, exactly. And his speed doesn't compensate for his size. Uh, so like he he's obviously the opposite of like Debo uh and if you're not going to be able to get like run through like those creases uh and kind of position yourself in a way like you're saying when you catch the ball you have to plant and make a cut one way in order to to force missed tackles and he's just not doing that yeah he's not yeah that's a great point transitions are weak I'll say this if there's a player from the group of the of the the small fry wide receivers from this draft class who I think has the compensatory factors to play big at the catch point and be a, a good overall route runner and transcend his size it's not Wondell Robinson it's the guy who's on the Steelers IR right now Calvin Austin the third if Calvin Austin oh wow Calvin Austin the third showed repeatedly in Memphis the ability to go up and win the football um, at a level that showed that he understood how to position himself at the catch point. And I think that when he gets off of IR, I would not be shocked at all if either if it's late this season or next year, he's going to be an oft-mentioned player by the team mm -hmm. as someone that they got to find a way to get him the football more often. And I don't think they're going to have to invent as much to do it. Um, it may Early on, they might try, but I think... You'll see if he's if you hear about him next year in camp winning one on one targets, you know, winning contested catches, back shoulders, um, fades, and that he's going up and winning the ball against bigger guys. I'm just telling you, is if you're a fantasy <laughs> player, you better pick that dude up just late and cheap because uh, his Venmo is uh, at at well Matt Waldman. Uh, that, <laughs> <at> Venmo. <laughs> I'm telling yeah. you those track guys, man. He Kevin Austin, he he's fast. Like four yeah. three two forty. His his vertical jump is higher. His broad jump is higher. His twitchiness, uh, the three cone drill is better. Yeah. yeah, he's definitely a guy that uh that can definitely get away from from and, guys at right right after the catch point. And he's a wide receiver, like in the truest sense too. On top of that, so when you combine those two things, love it. But but yeah, I mean. What about the what about the NFC North? Is there anybody there are you are you that you're looking at and saying they might make a run? I'm still like I'm still holding out the possibility, even if you know a lot of these teams are you know Packers are four and six, Lions are three and six, Bears with Justin Fields three and seven. Any of them stand out to you? Honestly, nope. no. <laughs> no. Yeah. I don't see how the Packers get out. Like. I, I just wrote something on them um, 
you know, I, th I think it, it may be released today. Uh, I just, it's tough. I, I don't know if they're able to get out of their, out of this division, um, alive because of the other teams in the NFC East that have better, that have better, uh, records. Yeah. I mean, you know, they play the, the Packers play the Titans, the Eagles, Okay, those I just see two losses right there. Um, the Bears they might beat, the Rams they could possibly beat. Um, I don't see them beating the Dolphins. I see them losing to the Vikings, and then you know maybe they'll beat the Lions. Um, but I just don't know if that's enough. Uh, and I don't see. I see. Uh, you know, Justin Fields is definitely uh, playing better because he's you know he's given a better opportunity now. Uh, but I think seven losses is just too much to come back from. I agree. At this point. Yeah, I, I, can't, I can't see any of these teams doing that because as good as Aaron Rodgers can be, um, watch him, go back and watch him play that game with with Christian Watson. And Christian Watson, I think, <laughs> is going to be a very good receiver, have always been you know high on what his potential is. But he's... His development is oh, is going to be a very up-and-down development for the next couple of years before it stabilizes. Um, kind of like a better version of Marquise Valdez-Scantling in terms of the um, the trajectory. Um, I think part mm -hmm. of it is, and when you watch those plays last week or this on Sunday, he had multiple drops. His hand positions still need work. Um you can see that he's still shaky in that area. He had an egregious play where he he literally stacked his defender on a deep route and just looked back to the quarter, looked back to the quarterback rather than looking up for the ball. Um, yeah. And when you watch Aaron Rodgers, whatever you think of him, I really don't care what people think of him, but like whatever mm -hmm. you think of him, the 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 thing that you can tell is that he is his personality is a truth teller personality kind of like to the extent yeah. of being blunt. Um, yeah, know, it doesn't no mean bullshit. That, yeah. It doesn't mean that he isn't, that he hasn't lied in his life. That's not what I mean. There are people who are truth tell yeah, everyone I mean, immunized, you know? Yeah. Gonna... <laughs> yeah. But like he, but he's the type of person that you can look at his face and know what, know what he's thinking. He gives it away. And when you watch him with Christian Watson, it's so funny because on the bad plays, he's looking at him like, God, how did yeah. you do that? How stupid could that be? How bad was that? You know? And then when Christian Watson does something right, the look on his face is like that, like that right there, dude, that is like, what you you've been i've seen you do this like it's almost that look like right there like that it's not that, that hard that i've seen time. you do that just keep doing that you know he's I, I i compared it to if you ever saw bull durham the movie bull durham he's like crash davis the veteran catcher who played by kevin costner who who has to who's brought in to coach up the minor league phenom played by tim robbins called nuke lelouch who throws like you know, triple digit, um, you know, fastballs and, but has like wild accuracy is like completely wild. And like the, the way that he coaches him up, you can almost see Aaron Rodgers feel looking like crash Davis, just looking at like this kid, Christian Watson, who's like stacking Patrick Peterson on his very first target in the NFL and drops the ball and it just clangs off his hands. 
you know, and you can see with Watson that the ability to to get open, his separation speed, his size, his length, a lot of his route running skills are very strong. What he does after the catch is very good. Um, and he can track balls very well too, but he makes a lot of little mistakes. And the game is a little bit beyond him right now in terms of the the speed and complexity and all the things that the NFL is. And he has moments where you look at him and go, this kid's going to be really good. Like he's going to be maybe like, you know, 13, 1400 yard receiver good one day. And then, or has that possibility. And then there's plays where you look at him and you go, is he, you know, does he understand, you know, the shape of a football? Does he understand, you know, does he understand how to, you know, these are your hands, you know, these are, this is how you use your hands, but it's, um, it's up and down that way. And I think that as long as the pack Packer fans are willing to be patient with that, it's going to work out, but he's not the fact that he had a three touchdown game, but he also had multiple drops in that game. Tell you where the Packers are going to be because they need a guy like Watson or Dobbs you know, they needed guys like that to really solidify early. And I didn't understand how anybody thought that one of these receivers was going to really like come step up and replace Devonte Adams in this offense and keep things clicking like that this, this year, the idea that they, and their best option for that to happen is always hurt. And Sammy Watkins, he's never been able to prove him to stay healthy. He's the, you know, it, the only way that that would have happened is to have a veteran like Watkins stay healthy and play to his highest level. And he's just never done that in this league. So, uh, uh, yeah. you know, for a long term. So, yeah, I'm with you. And then the Bears, too much to overcome. I mean, I when I look at, I think that the, the Buccaneers, I think they'll eke their way into the playoffs. Um, yeah, and I sure. do. I'm. I think the the offensive line played a lot better last week um, in terms of opening creases. Um, when you, if Julio Jones can give you more than one point seven five quarters of healthy play um, every three games, which is what he was doing in Atlanta before this year when he's had limited practice with Brady all year, you know he's still an elite route runner. He's still an elite yeah. athlete. But even him running in for the touchdown, Lori, this week, watching him, you could see him kind of laboring when he was running. It was slight, and he hides it kind of well. But you can see that he's never going to be 100% for the rest of his career. And I think that whenever he falls hard on one of his legs, his knee or his ankle gets wrapped up funny, he's, he's out for like significant periods of time. Yeah, he, he him and Tom Brady need to uh to go to a spa four days out of the week after after their games, <laughs> right? Because um, he he needs it. But uh, you know, we all know Tom Brady, right? He he kind of, especially at this age, kind of takes it takes it easy the first half of the season because when playoffs comes, it's zero zero. Yeah. You know, it's 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 not like European soccer where you know the regular season matters. Uh, where where you where you can win the regular season and that's it. Uh, you know, for Tom Brady, it's just, you know, zero, zero. We're going to, we're in the easiest division in football right now. You know, they have a pretty easy games coming up. Um, they end the season against the Cardinals, Panthers and Falcons. Yeah. So yeah. 
pretty easy. You know, yeah, they're definitely going to get out of that one. Yeah, the defense is the big issue. Their secondary has been awful and banged up, but but I agree. I think um, Godwin is getting healthy enough. You know, yeah, and he's he's really gutted through the season. Evan's still there. You know, I think Kate Otten has played really well as a rookie, and mm -hmm. he's continuing to earn Brady's trust in the middle of the field. I know that his target percentage dipped with Brate coming back this this past week, but when you look at the quality of targets that he had and the plays that he made, I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit of a U-turn from last week um, in terms of the in terms of the numbers that fantasy people get excited about or get scared of. And I think that you're going to see probably Otten still be a stable presence in that passing offense. And that does help because Brady needs someone to throw in the middle of the field. And they haven't really had that because Gage, Russell Gage has been banged up. Julio Jones has been banged up. Um, and, you know, Godwin, they can do some of the quick hitting stuff with, but not the deep middle of the field. And that's where... You know, and I'm not saying like deep posts, but more like seam stretchers, you know, deep mm -hmm. overs. And I think that, you know, they use Godwin more in the move the chains capacity, whereas with Otten, they can do that off play action and get some get some play out of that. That's where he performs best. I, I wrote something on him uh, early on in the season and why he's going to replace Rob Gronkowski and everybody thought I was crazy. Um but honestly, he he does pretty well after the catch too. Yes, you know he he's not like extremely athletic, but he can make guys miss. Like he's actually pretty good with the ball in his hands. Uh, and him being a block first tight end, you know they just that offense needs to work a little bit better with their running backs so he can be more of a, you know, more of a dynamic player within their offense because he he is a good blocker. And so. It's great. It's hilarious to me too that you describe him as a block first tight end, and I'll say it this way: you're right. But it's hilarious to me because as a prospect, he was considered a receiving tight end, and when I scouted him, he was an excellent blocker. He had great knowledge of leverage. He could play against linemen, and in camp, the the Buccaneers staff talked about how shocked they were at how NFL-ready he was as a blocker right away because they expected that he needed a year in the weight room and he didn't get a lot of off-season time in the weight room this year because he had surgery. Um, and so pre-draft, he was still recovering from surgery and it, and it took him all the way till about training camp till he was ready. And when they watched him blocking, they were like, we might be able to use him right away. And, yeah. you know, so it's yeah, that's a great point with him. Like, I, he... I. I really do think he is like I this is what I wrote in one of my articles in Otten's case he's a block first tight end who can also be effective in the open field yeah you know he's an athletic why uh you know in in a way and you know obviously Gronkowski he's hard to replace but I think uh you know even give Otten just a couple like another year and he's going to be effective and more than effective in every level yeah, I think he's I think he's in that range of players who are like a notch or two below what an elite tight end would be. I mean, obviously Gronkowski was one of the best tight ends of all time, if not the best ever. Um, but you know, you think of guys like Pat Fryermuth. I put Foster yeah. Moreau in that category. I I feel like Foster Moreau will have a big contract, have a contract somewhere else as a starter, and be a 
top five, top six receiver. Like, I think he's, you know, I think maybe if Dallas Goddard's at the top of that tier and maybe arguably in the top tier, I would put guys like Fryermuth and Moreau and Otten has a chance to be in that tier too, in, in the middle of that tier as a, a guy who can who can be reliable. It just depends on who their quarterback will be down the line and whether they're good enough to be able to access um, access Otten's uh, ability there. So you mentioned San Francisco. So are you are you, that what is it about them? Is it simply they have all these great weapons that we're looking at here? You know that that that's going to make the difference at five and four. Uh, yeah, I believe so. I think that uh, I well, yeah, I think that their run game uh, in just the way that uh, that Shanahan basically uses his offense. I I think that. In the end, they're they're gonna come out alive. Like, and it's only because the other teams in the division uh, aren't playing as well. Uh, so I think they'll be the teams kind of make it out. But I don't think they're gonna, you know, blow anyone away. I don't think there's anything like specific that really uh, jumps out at you about this team. Um, I just think that they're a little bit above average, to be honest. And they don't have too tough of a schedule going forward, uh, to be honest. So. You know, I think I think they're they're look at their look at their pass rush defense. I mean, they're they're I'm sorry, they're rushing defense. Um, you know, they got guys who you're able to stop the run. And basically, right now, I think stopping the run is one of the one of the things that's taking a lot of these teams a little bit further. Like you look at last night in the yeah. Commanders, how they were able to control the time of possession. And so if you're able to control the clock, keep the ball out of the other quarterback's hands, and you're able to be efficient with your offense, uh, then, you know, just a little bit of uh, schematics and, and analytics can kind of take you far, especially in, uh, what are they, the, the, the NFC West, so. Well, old-fashioned football is back right now, and I love it. It um, is. Yeah, it's, it's fun to see. Um, and it, it kind of, I think old-fashioned football kind of brings out the student in a lot of us in terms of being students of the game and enjoying that facet of it. If you know, it may not, the casual fan may not enjoy it as much, but I think that the, you know, there's a lot to be valued with it. And, and I'm with you. I mean, I think the 49ers are pretty much the obvious pick there. Um, and uh, you know, we, we were probably going to get into, but we got, we had so much fun talking about, you know, these teams on the cusp. We'll, we'll save this for another time, but you know, I was thinking that Shanahan would be a fun one to talk about in terms of management styles because, you know, this past weekend, Christian McCaffrey, who they traded a boatload of picks for, um, you know, splitting time with Elijah Mitchell. And this was kind of the thing that, that I feared is that maybe Kyle Shanahan might favor his um, favor his system guys to the point that he's not a lot – expanding his system to really accommodate the players the way he should earlier on when he was earlier on in the season when they let Christian McCaffrey be the force multiplier that he was um, they looked really good offensively um, I'm a little it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out um, I don't think he's definitely gonna I don't think he'll screw it up Kyle Shannon will screw it up but if he does <laughs> it's going to be in that direction and if it does happen in that direction he will get canned for the fact that he let his ego 
um, write checks that like his team can't cash. Um, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree, you know? Yeah, exactly. And we'll, <laughs> we'll get into that down the line here. But, you know, listen, we appreciate you guys listening. We had a good time getting to talk about these teams that we think are on the on the verge of being able to make something happen down the stretch. Um, you can find Lori Fitzpatrick at TD Wire. Um, and then you can also find me um, at MountWaldmanRSP.com. The Rookie Scouting Portfolio is going to be available in April. Um, you can find it at mattwaldmanrsp.com or just go directly to my sister site, mattwaldman.com to purchase it. Um, you know, you get a pre-draft, you get a post-draft guide. I've been around since 2006 doing this. this is entering year 18 of the publication. And, you know, guys like Chris Olave, A.J. Brown, um, who else was Jamar Chase, Justin Jefferson, guys that people were like, yeah, they're good, but... Are they going to be that good? Are they going to be like that good right away? And I don't know. The fits aren't that great. Well, you know, with the pre-draft and post-draft, you know, let me just tell you, the you had some, you know, th- those are some guys as of late. I've had my misses, you know. I mean, I, you, you wouldn't have but, drafted a Jalen Rager. That's for you, sure. You know, I didn't. I wouldn't have drafted <laughs> Jalen Rager. I was, you know, but I would have drafted Hakeem Butler. So you know, sometimes those things don't work out. But, uh, but. You know, recently those have been have been working out pretty well, and I'm not just a running back guy. So you'll, uh, so uh, you know, quarterback, running back, wide receiver, tight end. Um, ask around. The RSP is one, the second most per, not the second most, one of the two most purchased draft guides for cross-checking purposes by um, NFL personnel managers um, and and personnel staff um, who make visits to. Um, college campuses according to a uh, you know according to recruiting directors that I've had a chance to talk to guys like Alex Brown at SMU you know who gets to meet with these guys on a regular basis so hey you know if they look at it as a cross-checking guide and you're a fantasy person give it a look most of the people I know who get it um, tend to get it every year at that point so if you've been on the fence there's a 10% discount that will be available to purchase it. I'll announce it um, over a two-week period. It'll be available for over a two-week period, sometime after Thanksgiving, probably early December. Um, and that's something that my readers asked me to do, just to just to get to do pre-sale. They asked me. They didn't even ask me for a discount. They just asked me to do pre-sale, um, even though I wasn't giving them anything until the book came out. But they asked me for that on demand. So. Um, you know, I, I'm giving a discount for that. That just kind of tells you, you know, what people, you know, that people value the guide. And I would definitely encourage you to check it out at mattwaldmanrsp.com. Thanks again, listening, everybody, and have a great week.